This episode of The Clear Out was recorded on the 12th of October 2021 at home in Wicklow. And in it, I talk at length about facing our dark side. And I'm not talking about uh, Star Wars and The Force and Darth Vader, etc. Although I could have. And I'll, then I would have mentioned my uh, obligatory uh, movie reference. But no, I'm discussing the parts of ourselves we prefer not to face, the parts of ourselves we prefer not to deal with, not to look at, the parts of ourselves we suppress, repress, and do not express. And that was a point I wanted to make in the episode, but I didn't. I... Uh, <laughs> I didn't get to talk about the word express in terms of squeezing something out like the juice from a fruit, I guess, or something like that. Um, In terms of pain or wound or trauma or a long held issue that we have internalized. I didn't get to speak about that uh, in that sense, but I spoke about it in many other senses with a bit of a a Jungian overview of the the shadow side. And I discussed the idea of embracing those parts of ourselves that we're less comfortable with um, as a way of being more balanced. So really being willing to walk in the dark as well as in the light and I extended the discussion to look at dark places, dark spots in a society or in a culture and why they might exist. I'm not sure if I managed to answer that question, but I certainly asked it. Um, There can be something like social denial, these conspiracies of silence things that are too uncomfortable historically or socially to to face, to bring to light. Um, so that's in the mix as well. And in spite of how bleak and dark and miserable it sounds, I think I treated of it in quite a light way. So I hope you enjoy it. And yeah, there you go. I will be talking to you real soon. Cheers. Hi, my name is Dara Clear and you're listening to The Clear Out. You are very welcome. Thank you. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for sacrificing some of your headspace to listen to this podcast. The sun is beaming, beaming in the window here at Hashtag Blessed. This is a south-facing window and it's just after lunch and it's just this beautiful autumn day. October is being amazing and I am grateful because uh, the, the sun is warming me up and you may or may not detect that tone, that tone, that nosy tone in my voice. My daughter has filled me with something. She has infected me. With love, I hear you say. With pride. No, with her cold. 
So uh, as I as I mentioned last week, she had been unwell, had a few days off school. Um, she's still nursing a chesty cough, but I had the stirrings of this a few days ago, and I am battling it. My wonderful, <laughs> my wonderful immune system is doing its utmost to keep this sucker at bay, but my system knows it's under attack. And yeah, there you go. So uh, I'm feeling a bit crook, as they like to say in the antipodes, um, under the weather. But I think, aren't we always under the weather? Is how do you, how do you sort of uh, perceive the weather and your position in relation to the weather? I can't help feel that largely the weather comes from above, whether it's the sun beaming down or rain teeming down or snow falling down. Uh, I'm rarely over the weather. Uh, perhaps when I've been in an airplane, I'm over the weather then. But are we not always under the weather somehow? So maybe that's not such a such a great phrase. The um, I suppose the... The suggestion is you're under a cloud and yes, uh, I'm not quite under a cloud. I'm actually feeling quite jolly or jolly <laughs> as they don't say in France. Um, yeah, I was out this morning helping an old buddy, an old friend shift some uh, bushes. Some bushes is the word he used. But they're uh, they're a form of cypress tree that had to be cut down on his uh, on his property, and we were ripping them out, quite cumbersome. So he needed an extra pair of hands. So that's how I spent my morning, and it was just such a lovely morning. the The unexpected warmth, the unexpected kick of heat in that sun, for uh, well, we're you know we're fast approaching mid October. It's quite um, quite unexpected, but most welcome. Um, so there you go. I could think of other things that are that are quite unexpected and most welcome, but uh, you don't want to hear about my sex life. <laughs> boom boom! I'm here all week. Uh, probably here for longer than a week actually. Here at hashtag blessed. So there you are now. How's it going? The um, the woes of the world they just uh, they just roll on and on, don't they? Um, let's not let's not dwell let's not dwell in that place but let's let us move let us move to the dark we had a power cut here last night and yes the uh, the intimations of winter are making their presence felt at the start and at the end of each day the mornings have gotten very much darker and the days are getting shorter. So my daughter and I were sitting at the dinner table last night. Uh, my wife was uh, a bit delayed coming home. She went to see a friend. And we had luckily had our showers. And we're sitting, finishing our dinner. And suddenly lights out. And yes, there was a, a power cut across the area. which um, Which, you know... Uh, my daughter's first time to experience experience it and she was not impressed not at all in fact she was quite freaked out i mean our 
our place here it's you know it's an old cottage it's um, probably over 300 years old now a lot of work has been done to it over the years so i don't want you to get the wrong idea we're not talking peg sayers and the aran islands um we're not talking outdoor toilets but yeah it's it's a it's it's a it's it's an old place and my daughter just felt scared basically i could see her withdraw into herself and i was trying to reassure her that it was fun and we lit some candles and i said i used to love this as a kid which i did the um just the 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 atmospheric nature of a power cut at night and having candles and your parents being there i always thought it was kind of it's quite fun uh my daughter wasn't buying any of that she was very sure of her position and so i was like okay fair enough and i decided it would have been beyond cruel to send her down to her bedroom which is at the other end of the house with a single tea light (laughs) go to bed um so i set her up i set her up in kind of the, the main living area where we spend a lot of our time and I set her up in the sleeping bag on the couch because the, the information I received was that the power was going to be out for a few hours. And I thought I better let her hang out down here. And it was funny. She was on. The, she, was, she had just settled into her into the sleeping bag on the couch. And next thing she jumped and she was like, spider, spider. And sure enough, a fairly big spider just sort of skittered over the back of the couch along the back you know where her head was lying and she sat up and i just thought it's too dark it's too dark for a humane reaction and i'm gonna put my hand up and say yes i am guilty of spider side i did kill that spider uh i just felt my daughter had enough to be dealing with without fearing um an eight-legged beastie creeping around her head and yeah it it it, it had to go down you're going down spider sorry about that i must say since living in australia i'm much more tolerant of spiders because being in australia you get a new perspective on what constitutes danger in the uh in the arachnid class and irish house spiders are pretty big they can be but i'm just looking at them and kind of going you know what you're big that's all you are you're not even big like a huntsman is big you're not even hairy like a huntsman uh i remember one day bringing taking my karate suit out of the bag at at, at the dojo and a rather large huntsman jumped out of my jacket my karate top which had been hanging on the line in the garden and one of the black belts at the dojo had a quite bad arachnophobia and jumped back about 20 feet um but i was sufficiently inured to the 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 fear at that stage that i was able to kind of i didn't catch him i'm not going to make claims for my my bravery that are untrue i didn't catch him but i did scooch that big huntsman out the door if you're not familiar with a huntsman they are pretty bloody big and very hairy spiders that are considered um considered safe (laughs) but i believe uh, I, i read some apocryphal statistic that they can be the cause of many car crashes in Australia because they can nestle in in the, the, the visor 
and when the, you flip the visor down to, to protect your eyes from the sun a spider can fall in your lap a spider that superficially resembles a tarantula and the, 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 the resulting swerve can lead to a car crash so there you go so looking at an Irish house spider it's like eh not such a big deal but um, last night I uh, it was a very quick calculation and I sent that spider to its eternal rest so uh, so God bless you spider I hope I hope you're happy wherever you are now and that spider's like I'm in your bin with uh, with rubbish and kitty litter and it's not good another spider story briefly and uh, this is this goes back to my university days we had a, we had a good friend from 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 America who was in university with us in Maynooth St Patrick's College Maynooth that's my alma mater my alma mater my alma mater and this American friend of ours we were in a some I wasn't there I was told this story but he was in a student house they were all student houses in those days and a spider emerged from somewhere and my American friend went kill that spider straight away <laughs> and some very upset uh, young woman just roared at him oh typical American killing everything we thought that was very funny so um, that was the that was the perception that was the perception of Americans back in the back in the early 90s has that changed if you're an American listener has that changed if you're an Irish listener is that your is that your perception of Americans killing machines I'm not sure I'm not sure I think there's lots of there's lots of non non-killing Americans uh, I'm pretty sure of that and here am I I killed I killed a spider myself so that makes me a killer too what can you do that is that is the dark side um, I'm just going to take a sup on my medicinal tea here so bear with me for two moments a bit of lemongrass and ginger tea with a spoonful of that super honey manuka <laughs> you're my firstborn I will call you manuka uh, yeah manuka honey um, superpowers I believe uh, so there you go I'm horsing it in horsing it in there were bees there were bees where I was this morning a little stack of five or six hives and they were very active I thought they'd be quiet at this time of year but maybe with the the warm day they were stimulated into a bit of a a bit of busyness a bit of buzzy busyness so there they were doing what they had to do okay so if that's the preamble it was a long one that's a that's 12 minutes I'm counting I haven't sat down with a plan but I was I was thinking about I was thinking about the dark and the the symbolic dark and the the fear the fear we have of the dark I, I wrote a piece um, five or six years ago on the uh, the clearout.com focusing on this very topic and looking at uh, Jungian a Jungian position of not really being complete until you allow the admission of of darkness and I suppose I at the time I was thinking of that in 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 really I suppose in terms of facing our 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 demons and our our dark side and our our shadow side I think is how Jung likes to describe it 
and I do I do still believe that very strongly that that is that is the ongoing negotiation of of self and I do think it is a very significant part of your our my wellness sensibility your wellness journey and a big part of arriving at a a place of acceptance in your life and that darkness it doesn't I, I don't think it has to be anything particularly uh, extreme or explicit or traumatic I just think it's the side of yourself that you are least comfortable with and I think if I reflect on the amount of times that I've brought it up on the podcast certainly I seem to talk about my anger quite a bit and my angry parenting uh, at times and that is that is probably the a dark side of my personality that I'm not particularly thrilled with and I feel I probably have a fear of being ambushed by even deeper reserves of anger uh, reserves of unexpressed anger and that word unexpressed seems to me to be key to the idea of what we don't look at and what we don't speak about uh, what we find it too difficult to articulate or too difficult to face and the I mean I suppose if you take the word in the, the in its first sense perhaps of speech and not talking about something that is that that's a very powerful it's actually a very powerful energy it's a very powerful force um and funnily enough it's a, it's a it's a force of resistance isn't it um just a sort of a a block that is self-cultivated maybe not consciously maybe it's it's subconscious i mean obviously there's a whole area of therapy which is about going back into the past and unpacking these suppressed or repressed memories what's the difference what's the difference between suppressed and repressed hmm i don't have an answer for that suppress repress no uh, answers on a postcard to uh, ryan toberty at the late late show thanks very much lads that's uh rt donnybrook donnybrook for dublin four um anyway the that that idea of just not admitting the presence of that dialogue in your life that is a that is a force like that's a whole entity of its own that dwells within um so i think on the first level the unexpressed is is that it's that which is not spoken about um, that which is not verbalized 
that which is not put out in in words in in spoken language um i know personally uh and this this may or may not work for you if it's if it's something you're interested in or if you're struggling with you know any kind of internal concerns um i find when i write when i write out my my boof what do you want to call it whatever it is that's bloody driving me mad um or upsetting me uh, i find when i write it out so it's it's not journaling exactly it's not as spontaneous and unprocessed as journaling that is when I, you know when i say journaling what i understand by that is uh, journaling is as it's been explained to me when you literally wake up in the morning reach for the your, you know your, your your book and grab your pen and just start writing down your 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 thoughts your memories of the night or whatever's whatever's there and accessible before you've before you've shaken your brain into sharp focus and get you know to get on with the tasks of the day i tend to not do that i tend to have something percolating uh that's one of my favorite words when i talk about my 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 communicative processes um which is true for the podcast which is true for pieces i write on the on the on the website and often true for for poetry short stories um other my other kind of content i tend to have things that gestate and percolate and i don't really go to the page or go to the the laptop until i'm ready to start putting it down but then beyond that once it's been put down that, that i find it really that can really help me nail an idea and sometimes it's a it's a reaction to what i've written sometimes i see what i've written and i go no that's not quite right that's not what it is so it is it is a way of of making way it is a way of clearing the blockage and i mean this this goes back to one of the the original drivers of of the website um the the decluttering aspect of it uh that's something that I, I spoke about a bit in the first episode of the podcast where i was explaining that the subtitle of the website which is also called the clear out is decluttering clarifying connecting and i spent a bit of time dwelling on each of those uh ideas concepts and how i understood them and how i sort of used them as the certainly for the kind of articles slash think pieces i put on the website that they're 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 sort of the the weapons i use or the overriding principles i use to to scrape at and poke at the ideas or the the emotional um quandaries or psychological conundrums i'm i'm facing um but yeah the the idea of getting something out it, it, it you know it's like we put so much stuff on top of the core issue on top of the i mean really i suppose if, if it, you know if it all goes back to formative years and it doesn't have to of course it doesn't have to like i mean stuff can impact us at any time and 
I think what I try to do at this stage of my life is I try to be quicker, quicker in the processing of whatever you want to call them. You know, if if they're, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm skirting around using the word trauma, like maybe micro traumas or whatever it might be. I mean, the, the, like the simple truth is life can just kick the crap out of you at times and your relationships can kick the crap out of you at times and the people you love can kick the crap out of you at times and your own journey uh, whatever that is if you if you break it down to the individual the individual path that path can be strewn with obstacles and potholes and forks in the road and dead ends and terrible road conditions and whatever other metaphors we want to throw in there so it's fine we can kind of simplify things you know we can we can we can lean into the simplified the simplified armchair psychology of this is what happened as a child this is what didn't happen as a child this is who i am now but sometimes that over reduction fails to fails to acknowledge uh, or embrace the, the the reality that stuff never stops happening and it doesn't matter if you're in your 20s 30s 40s 50s 60s 70s and on stuff <laughs> you can you know you can still be you can still be that person who's going to go oh my god I can't believe this happened and I can't believe my resources are not up to the task and oh my goodness I do not want to deal with that or oh my goodness I do not want to face this side of myself but my argument is there is no escape (laughs) and the more you can kind of come to terms with that and accept it the more you have a chance of happy survival a survival an ongoing survival of of let's not overstate it i mean joyful resilience happy resilience moderately less terrified resilience uh, a, a type of contentment um, a type of acceptance there is no escape from yourself that's um uh, like that's it you are who you are and you're always going to be there no matter what stage of life you're at and the more you can come to terms with yourself and your stuff and by stuff i mean your your issues by your issues i mean the areas of your makeup your psychological and emotional makeup that um, that you understand to be yourself. Um, that's you know that 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 is what it is. I mean that 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 is just who you are. I mean your your comfort level with that. The um, the 
the, the hijack I suppose I mean that, that's I guess that's one way to think of it like if you feel you're at a, a, a point of your life where you, you are still I don't know I mean and it's not you know I, I probably need to speak to some older friends and older relatives to talk to them about this so maybe it's very presumptuous of me to think that you're not grand <laughs> what is this moron talking about I'm fine I dealt with all that crap years ago I just don't go there I mean that's a that's a choice because that type of that type of uh, personal internal wrestle um, and struggle. I mean it, it verges on angsty, um, and saying angsty made me think of planksty, and saying planksty made me think of traditional Irish bands, and that made me think of the Chieftains and the passing of Paddy Maloney. Uh, I just saw something there on, on online that Paddy Maloney has passed away, the the whistle player from the, the Chieftains. And uh, yeah, like I suppose one of the central figures of Irish traditional music for, what, 50 years, 60 years now? 60 years, where would that take us? Should I only take you back to the, the 60s? Yeah, it's probably, God. Anyway. The best of luck to him. I hope he's. Uh, I hope he's at a session, uh, some sort of sitting in a circle of musicians in the sky somewhere, or wherever um, he thought he might end up. Who knows? Um, but anyway, yeah, it, it can sound angsty, but I don't know. I mean, this is this is kind of the point I'm driving at. Is the the this side of ourselves that we are least comfortable with what is that about like it's not about you know we don't have to love every aspect of ourselves i think that's an absurd notion you know we're, we're allowed to be equivocal we're allowed to look at ourselves and go eh, that's a that's a less savory aspect of my of my character that's a you know that's less glorious than other parts I mean, there, there's a question. What part of yourself do you think is glorious? <laughs> uh, I, mean, I, I mean, fair play to you if you're someone who can answer that and be sincere and go, this part of me is glorious. Um, I'm, uh, I'm struggling. But, you, you know, which part of yourself do you not find repellent? Um, it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be something that's terribly earnest and angsty. And that's, I mean, this harks back a little bit. It harks back a little bit to two episodes ago when I was talking about character um, and talking about how, for me, the way I think of character, and I spoke a bit about Joan Didion and I spoke about some of the ideas I've taken from karate, but this idea of character as something absolutely stripped back paired back something very fundamental and un, unambiguous and something that is unambiguously unambiguously you i mean this is this is how i think of character uh that it's it, it's actually really far away from ego it's really far away from the outer points the extremities of yourself the the part of yourself that meets the world uh, and meets other people in the various settings and circumstances of your life 
the 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 core you is something that I think if you get to a place of comfort with that and really accept that in a very objective way then I believe that there's huge uh, contentment and ease to be found in that place and I would argue that not facing the sides of ourselves the facets or aspects um, the valences of self that make us uncomfortable not facing those not interrogating them and inspecting them and understanding them that will never allow us peace um and even though we may deny them ignore them really put them in a in a hidden away place in ourselves they have a way of making themselves felt they'll always be there and it's just a matter of it's just a matter of circumstances it's a matter of other elements coming into play um and when that happens those hidden parts of ourself you know will be will be provoked and will be uncovered and we because we've hidden them away for so long we won't have an answer we won't be able to handle them or deal with them or have a proportional response to them and that word proportional makes me think of of balance and that you know perhaps the idea of balance makes me think of you know the middle way and middle way balance being sort of centered you can say that's a non-position if you're talking politics but maybe spiritually or philosophically or behaviorally uh it's a bit more it kind of leans towards the east it might lean a bit towards you know a more zen way of looking at things a more buddhist way of looking at things a bit more detached um and look it's not for it's not for me to say whether that's whether that's good or bad or right or wrong but i certainly place huge stock in the idea of balance and therefore to me it's all well and good to go oh i see this side of myself that i really like and value and this side of myself that i interpret as um as being indicative of of strength as being indicative of functionality wellness uh progress but I think to be balanced I also have to look at the side of myself that is not those things and look at the side of myself that I'm critical of or at the side of myself that concerns me or the side of myself that I still feel I haven't fully addressed or reconciled or made peace with and I have to and again this is my advice to myself I say I have to become comfortable with that 
tolerant of it and unafraid of it. And that to me offers the balance and allows me the space to respond proportionally and not become hysterical, not catastrophize, not succumb to, you know, terrible, I don't know, terrible sort of anxiety or self-loathing, you know, have a crisis of self-esteem. Um, you know, I mean, I'm saying all that and I will still acknowledge that, of course, if I have uh, an episode of depression, which does happen occasionally, that is where I go. I, I generally go to that place of absolute invalidation and the way I experience it normally is you know usually there's something that's happened that triggers me and I'll find myself on a bit of a depressive spiral where I can just feel my energy dropping and it's usually quite quick and what I've become better at in recent years is identifying the the triggering event quickly which is helpful because then I can go oh I know why this is upsetting me and I can draw the the connection to this is upsetting me because it reminds me of that and the the emotional descent is not really something I can control but what I can control is how I react to that crisis or how I can react to that plummet um, of negative emotion uh, in the past I would have escalated um, and made it worse by heaping a lot of anger on top of the initial emotional response um, because I simply just didn't have the, the equipment to, to recognize and to, to validate to validate the the response and go okay well you're feeling that way for real reasons and i have continued to find that a very useful way of responding to adverse emotional states and again i can step away from that and go look Never mind adverse emotion is just emotion. It's not good nor bad. It just is what it is. Um, and yet, certainly, if anger is an emotion that then impact, impacts negatively on others, I would say it's no longer just an emotion. And, it, you know, it's no longer, it, it may be a bit disingenuous to consider it um, colorless or without character if it's, upsetting other people and you know similarly if you're on the if if, if 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 i'm in a depressed state and there's a plummet uh in my emotional state and i'm going to a very kind of dark place in my thoughts with those emotions um it is hard it is hard not to kind of to view those thoughts and those emotions um in in a negative light but it's very helpful to go, where did that start? Why did I respond the way I did? Why did it hit me in that particular place? And if you can identify that, if you can identify that's the place it hit me and that's why it hurts so much, 
I mean, you're, you're entering the area of, of wound, the area of historic wound and wounding and, you know, historic hurts. And I, I do believe that they are extremely formative. Um, and going back to what I was saying earlier, sadly, there's no reason why <laughs> there's no reason why you, why you can't still be hurt no matter how old you are why you can't still experience a wound um i think what's in our favor as we get older is that we're we're much usually most of us we're a lot better at reading people we're a lot better at understanding motivation intention um and if we have a reasonably good relationship with ourselves there's just a bit more natural resilience and a bit more of an ability to 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 step to step away from the the area of hurt or the conflict zone and go ah okay i actually don't really need to engage with this or you know with this person who's who's affecting me that way and also part of that is knowing that person's not good for me uh which when we're younger we're not so good i don't think we're not you know we're not as good at at making those decisions um but as you get older i find it it, it's much easier to go oh yeah i just don't need this person in my life um or that is energy i don't need to be around and it's just easy it's easy to kind of um to, to close a door or to walk down a different path i guess um yeah i'm not sure what what analogy works best but the the area of of darkness then it, it it's interesting and, and and i feel i've probably i've probably i feel i've probably articulated my own ideas enough around the the personal um but it's very interesting as well then to think across a culture what an area of darkness might be and areas we don't want to look um last week uh, kind of late in the episode last week, I, I spoke a little bit about abuse, child abuse in the within the kind of Catholic within the Catholic Church, and specifically, I was the, the you know the, the the starting off point was that headline from from France, where the Catholic Church in France revealed these staggering figures of abuse victims. Um, since the 1950s it was I think 216,000 and it's if you think of that as an area of darkness you think of that level of of transgressive behaviour that level of inflicted trauma um that is i mean that 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 is a a crisis of behavior and that is a crisis of behavior within uh, a massive institution 
And that institution is a very powerful institution or historically has been a very powerful institution in, you know, various countries. Um, but what happens, you know, what, what happens within the institution? I mean, and this is what I was talking about last week because I was making the argument that institutions are like, are like parents uh, you know, in a society. But what happens in a in a society, in a culture, in a country, where you have historical events like that? So like, you know, s- systemic, institutionalized abuse of vulnerable people, um, whether that's in, in schools or, you know, like Magdalene laundries here in Ireland, um, industrial schools, whatever the institutions were, that darkness that people don't want to face like what's that about how like how how does that happen um i mean and look and 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 i don't want to talk you know i'm not i'm not trying to like i'm not trying to double down and go on a massive critique of the catholic church um and i mean I, i could just make the distinction quickly that it's a critique of the institution of the Catholic Church and not necessarily of Catholicism, the religion. Um, but the, you know, that's just, you know, I'm just using, I'm just using in this case the Catholic Church as an example of an area of darkness in, you know, across a culture. Now we can look at the history of the Catholic Church perhaps in Ireland and look at Ireland as a colonized country, um, a country that had to fight for its independence and its cultural sovereignty over hundreds of years, um, a fight that that pitted Irishness as sort of a conflate, you know, Irishness as conflated with. Um, with Rome, with the Catholic Church, with the Pope, um, uh, as opposed to the the Anglican strain or the Protestant strain, which would have been equated with Englishness, um, and the English being the the main uh, the main enemy and the the, you know, the 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 dominant occupying force and the dominant combatant that various entities of irish um you know you know militarism had to face over the years and if you kind of take that context and then go why was why did catholicism and why did the catholic church have such a grip on irish society and on irish values it makes sense when you think that we were an emerging independent nation um coming out of you know several conflicts in the 20th century from the um the easter rising to the war of independence to the civil war um and never mind the the various historic rebellions and revolutions prior to that but finally ireland as an independent nation was able to assert a sort of an ultra, I suppose, an ultra Catholicism as being 
an expression of Irishness and possibly an expression of Irish republicanism as well, but certainly an expression of Irish sovereign identity and Irishness as being absolutely distinct from Englishness and the enemy and the empire, the colonist, the occupying force, the the force that you know made our our language illegal um the force that you know ridiculed and vilified us in their in their national media um and i mean you only have to kind of scratch a, a tory in the the current english um administration to realize how those perspectives and opinions and that level of sort of um, well, I mean, it, 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 it's, a, it's a type of racism, really, and certainly a, 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 a cultural, an assumption of cultural superiority that's, that's still alive and well in the, um, within the Tory party in England, it would seem. Um, Brexit seemed to unpick that scab and reveal the, um, <laughs> the really regressive and ill-informed uh, opinions of key members of that party um like and that's i mean i don't know what the hell like, i mean that's its own bloody darkness isn't it i mean these guys like boris johnson uh you know jacob rees mogg i guess um others farage who i know it's not part of the tory party but you know the the I don't know what they represent some very strange things some strange old you know notions a longing for for empire and you think guys you know it's over it's done and it has been done for some time and it's time to to get comfortable with the new world order and yeah I don't know there's other there's other elements to that as well and as ever I try to I try to just you know take my foot off the gas here when i go into the kind of the political realm but to steer it back to steer it back to the the more general idea of areas of darkness within a society then i don't know like is the analogy that it's still it's still kind of about damage and it's still about wounds and it's still about these very sensitive areas that we don't really want to talk about. So if you think of something like, um, if we talk about mental health, it's certainly very clear to me, having been out of Ireland for a decade, to come back uh, last year and realise that mental mental health is being spoken about in a way that it hasn't ever before and that is that's that's a sign of progress that's a sign of maturity in my opinion that's a sign of cultural evolution and a sign of embracing our finding the courage to 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 give voice and to express uh to express something about the 
the the the the, the pain or the the conflict that many areas of um you know mental unwellness can can bring i'm I'm getting bombarded here in the background can you hear that rooster it'd be impossible not to hear him while he's roaring his head off this is there you go this is edwina who must literally be outside the bloody window here i can't see him um i could also hear kids walking up the road shouting that shouting at the rooster anyway i wish he'd shut the frog up um but look, what I was trying to say was that is, to me, a clear example of movement. And it's a good thing. And particularly, I think, I would argue that the, the kind of stereotypical uh, pattern of, of men is to maybe not talk about this stuff, to not talk about vulnerability, to not talk about fear, to not talk about self-doubt. Um, and I mean, as I said, I use the word stereotypical. I mean, I've been blessed all my life. I've always had good male friends who have been unafraid to go to that place, who've been unafraid to talk about their internal lives, uh, who've been unafraid to share their emotional lives. And I suppose I've always been attracted to that type of man and male friend um from quite a young age and that's that's been a kind of a consistent um characteristic of almost all of my male friends and kind of continues to be a great strength and it's something that i i'm always happy to lean on um but it's clear from uh you know (laughs) from what you read from what you see out there being spoken about and read about that for a lot of guys it's not something that's that easy and I suppose the stereotype then is that women have historically been better um, at sharing their stuff and coming together now again if you're you're a woman out there and you're listening to this and going well that's not me Fair enough. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, I'm saying again, the stereotype, the stereotype doesn't always work and it's not always true. And some people are very private and do not like to share. And that can be for many different reasons. Some people don't like to share because they don't want to burden others. Um, and then some people don't like to share because they fear it, you know, it's, it, it's, it's a sign of, of weakness. Um, there's and this is you know this is one of my you know pet theories and I'm, I'm sure it won't be new to anyone but sometimes there's a fear of sharing because the fear is once you've expressed something or put it out there that it's such a monstrous entity to you that the expressing of it is potentially life-threatening now, I don't mean that in a literal sense, but more symbolic that it's it, it's become such a potent force or element within you that the expressing of it is almost like detonating a bomb. And your fear is that, you know, all your energy is tied up with not letting it go off. And so then to, to and so then to volunteer 
to detonate it is absolutely terrifying because we're not sure what's going to be left behind. And in a way, I suppose, the fear is that you become a, a bomb site, a, a flattened city, that you're nothing but rubble and debris. And then how do you rebuild? And that then becomes like a trade-off. It's like, well, actually, I'd rather live with the stress and anxiety and effort of controlling this beast than to be reduced to nothing and have to start again from scratch. And that is like that is a confrontational it's a, it's a, sorry, that's a confronting thought. The idea of the complete rebuild. But sometimes that's the only way to go. Um and this is why, again, the proportional response is a useful idea and the non-catastrophizing response is a good idea. But it's also why therapy can be such a long process, whatever, whatever form that takes. Um, so I don't know, like my personally, my own ongoing strategy is to kind of little by little have in place positive practices that give you a sense of um of some of some control and give you a sense of of wellness and it you know it's not going to remedy everything but i'm a great believer in you know in in the repetition and ongoing practice, the sort of the disciplined application of positive practices that you that you you know you'll have to work out for yourself what they are for you. I know what they are for me. And I do them again and again because to me they are what keep me on an even keel. And in a way <laughs> in a way they're my beast. If they were withdrawn, I, I, I would come apart, I think. I'd, I'd come apart at the seams and I'd have to face something else. I mean, I have, I have spoken about this before. and I've certainly written about it. So I remember talking about my, you know, this pattern I have, how I sort of keep myself on track. And, you know, there's been running and there's been swimming and there's been karate and tai chi, um, you know, whatever. And I remember looking at it and kind of going, like, what am I, what am I running from? What am I swimming from? What fight am I getting ready to have, um, you know, with, with, you know, with almost 30 years of martial arts training? <laughs> Are you not? Are you not ready? Have you, have you not? Have you, are you not qualified yet? You know when? When does it end? Uh, and to me, the answer is never. It never ends. And the the, the there's a, there's a madness. There's a madness in that. And I think that's what the that's what the sort of existentialist philosophers dealt with. I think that's what's you know a playwright like Samuel Beckett, you know, dealt with in his work. The you know, you know, it's kind of what, you know, Hamlet has a lot of that. The, 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 the negotiation 
you know with death the knowing that you know death is there and all this striving all this this yearning um all this productivity all this motion and all this emotion um what's it all for when it all ends in one place and you know we we all we all end up as 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 as, as kitty litter or or worm food worm it was a beautiful warm day no it wasn't it was warm um yeah but there's a, there's there's to me that that's analogous to what i'm talking about the go again go again go again 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 and the the task or the challenge i think is to to do that in an unquestioning way and to simply go this is enjoyable this feels good for my mind this feels good for my body this is active practice that keeps me well i mean that really is what it comes down to um i know i know my wife she struggles she struggles with it she looks at me and goes this bloody guy (laughs) i don't know what her terminology is but i know she kind of looks at me and kind of goes i think she she sees in it sorry she sees in it um that was a nice sound wasn't it i'll give you one more of those (laughs) that was a nice loud one she sees in it an obsessiveness and i think a conservatism and a lack of spontaneity and it's up to you it's up to you to decide if they are negative or positive terms or if they're just terms <laughs> they're just terms ah yeah oh he's so obsessive oh oh he's so conservative yeah oh no it's great um no i just pulled a bit of skin off my finger it's bleeding it's great isn't it a bit of blood a bit of blood for this dark episode the episode on darkness i'm always intrigued when blood is described as as black you sometimes see that don't you don't you don't I'm, I'm not wrong am i do we not sometimes see blood described as black in in literature or in stories black blood it's got a i don't know it's got a different quality doesn't it doesn't it evoke something different rather than the crimson crimson blood that brightness of blood that brilliant red but black maybe i'm imagining that anyway i don't know where i've got that from i know where i've got this from from my finger um yeah so i know my wife i think she does sort of i don't know i mean look again i mean i'm not trying to uh (laughs) i'm not trying to expose my wife um or talk about i mean you could i could talk about how in a relationship things take on different resonances over time things begin to symbolize something that they didn't um you know before that's um that's how relationships shift and change and 
perspectives and priorities change and how we see each other changes that stuff okay I'll, I'll say straight away i find that stuff scary and maybe that speaks to see there you go like if i'm someone who's saying i like the repetition i like the repetition and the sameness of my routines and my practices that i guess is challenged by the inevitable changing of of people and the inevitable changing of a dynamic in a relationship and that's certainly something that my my wife and i have been um dealing with or struggling with or facing over the last several years um and there's a big difference isn't there there's a big difference to being sort of in your late 20s 30 to late 40s 50 that's a very they're very different times of life and shifts happen and um i know we are in no way unique or special or different in this regard it is a very common story and i yeah i mean i find it really interesting um i definitely find it very challenging and i try to i don't know i try to do my best that's um that's not a boast it's not a boast or a brag um i just i don't know i i i I try to face it i find that stuff dark i find that stuff confronting but i try to go this is real this is now this is life and this involves someone i care about deeply so um that's me i'm talking about myself (laughs) no i'm not i'm talking about my wife uh and so you don't walk away from that. Uh, that's my feeling. There's, I don't know, that's a that's a whole, that's that's another discussion, isn't it? Um, yeah, so look, there you are. I'm not sure, I'm not sure what the conclusion is. The, I kind of skirted away there from the, the social darkness um, when I started talking about mental health, but I don't know. I mean, there's, there's, there's areas in, you know, there's areas, other areas of Irish culture that people, I don't know, still don't really want to talk about. I'm, I would still say unequivocally that there is a major problem with alcoholism and our relationship to alcohol in Ireland, and that's certainly a, that's certainly a dark place that we don't really want to talk about. Um, I'm sure I mentioned in an earlier episode a, a friend of my wife's, a musician. He um he responded very strongly on on social media to the proliferation of photographs of pints of Guinness, where when pubs started to reopen, everyone who likes pints pints were was putting up a photograph of a pint of Guinness with some um, deliriously joyous commentary attached, and this uh, yeah this friend of my of my wife's was kind of going you know if i see another one of these photos i'm going to bloody scream and he put his hand up to say that you know he'd been in recovery for many years um from alcoholism and that there's a whole lot of people out there who really don't need the uh you know to have the pints kind of waved in their faces like they're you know this uh holy grail i mean how can they be a holy grail if you're down in you know multiple points every weekend says the man who loves repetition 
<laughs> See, raising the point is a positive practice for a lot of people. And it's not like I don't drink. I do have a little bit of a drink every now and again. And that's not euphemistic. I really, you know, I didn't drink at all for years. And then in my sort of mid-twenties, I started having an occasional alcoholic drink because I realized, Jesus, I'm someone who could actually use a drink every now and again. So I'm not wound too tight like a bloody wingnut. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's, I don't know. I, uh, again, another, another big topic, I think. Um, but it is, I think it's a dark, I think it's a dark spot. I think it's a dark place and people don't really want to face it. See, there's great, there's great escape. There's great escape in, in drink, of course. I mean, that's stating the obvious and it's a great buffer and it's a great way to forget and it's a great way to access a softer part of yourself maybe um where yeah you don't have to to face the the, the the sharp parts and the rocky parts that are fundamentally much more difficult terrain to negotiate but um my argument is it has to be negotiated we have to we have to find a way to push through, clamber over, climb over, knock out, break down, um, and get through that stuff and still love ourselves and value ourselves. And, you know, that love is not, and I have mentioned this before, it's a recurring idea. That love is not narcissistic. It's not vain. It's not egotistical. Um, that's love as an expression of care. That's love as an expression of kindness. That's love as an expression of nurturing and minding. And I don't care what you say. That's that's valuable stuff. That is valuable stuff. And we all need it. And it is an enormous part of it's an enormous part of a, having a positive relationship with yourself if you can incorporate that into your internal dialogue and try and view yourself with some compassion and yeah kindness you know just go i care for you and i'm going to keep an eye on you and i'm going to mind you Rather than what many of us have, which is the other voice, which says, you're a dick, you're useless, you failed, you're weak, whatever. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to put, you know, insert a dialogue and I'm not saying that that's my own dialogue, but that voice that negates and, and defeats and crushes and, and shits on you, um, and you might be you might be a very lucky individual and you don't have any of that and fair play to you and you know congratulations i think you've done well if you're at that point and you're incredibly blessed if you've never had to negotiate that stuff um but i would suspect you may have had to at some point anyway there you go let's uh, let's leave it there let's leave it let's leave it at kindness okay kind 
be kind rewind that's what they say on the uh, the video stores when you go down to extra vision tomorrow lads uh you know and return the the video um rewind the tape before you go yeah be kind rewind that's the deal and um yeah maybe maybe every now and again you can rewind the video of your own life and your own pain and go oh that's what it was that was the spot and now i know why that upsets me every time i get a tremor every time i get a stirring every time i get an echo that's where it was that's where it started i need to make peace with that and i need to to move on and absolve myself of any sense of my own guilt or shame or culpability because it's done it's done and yeah just uh, get yourself out the door there and uh, take in a bit of that lovely October sun it's good for the soul because winter's coming baby winter is coming okay I'll leave it there uh, don't forget you can go to the description of this episode you'll find some links to social media Facebook Instagram Twitter if you want to express any thoughts or responses there you can also give me some support using the supporter link or the Patreon link and anything would be welcome. Nice comments, large financial contributions, all welcome. And I will talk to you again real soon. Listen, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for giving me your time. I hope you got something out of this. Uh, I'm really enjoying myself. <laughs> I'm sure that's the main thing. As long as I'm happy. Feck all of you. Okay, take it easy. I will talk to you very, very soon. All the best. Bye-bye. Cheers. Cheers.